You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. people-centric leaders. Today, we have a great podcast for you, as always, and some new and exciting people have joined our team. So we're going to introduce them. I'll introduce them in a minute or let themselves introduce them. Maybe that's better. Maybe that's better. But before I do that, I'll let you know who's all on here. We have Stephanie Anderson with us, engagement specialist at People-Centric. Stephanie, say hi to everybody. Well, hello, everybody. I should come up with a better, like, get you to use your voice instead of just. I know. Well, and that was such a Midwestern thing I just did too. Like, hey, y'all, how's everybody doing? So (laughs) great. I love it. I love it so much. We also have with us Bethany Taff, engagement manager with People Centric. Bethany, how are you doing today? I am swell. I had a latte that I made right here at the office and it was delicious. And I'm also so excited because we're going to introduce our our newest people here too. So I'm excited. It's a good day. It is a good day. It is a good day. And since we are going to introduce our newest people, we have two new engagement specialists, people-centric. We have Philip and Ben joining us today. Mm -hmm. Philip, would you say hi to everybody and give us a little bit of information about yourself? Who are you? Where did you come from? And why are you here? (laughs) <laughs> That's just such a meta- metaphysical question, right? Um, yeah. uh, I am Philip Herzog. I'm a new engagement specialist for PeopleCentric. I am a proud Midwesterner, uh, like Stephanie mentioned. I've served in many different nonprofit uh, communities here locally in Springfield, and, and initially a Colorado native as well. So I love people and the outdoors. Um, and my heart is just to help teams be better. And my joy is to make more positive change in the world. And that's exactly people-centric's mission. So I am stoked to be a part of the team and to make epic podcasts. Yes. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. That's that's why we're here. <laughs> and yeah, that's really the most important part of your job, right? Is this is really it. <laughs> kind of like a perk, so that's great. And Ben used the podcast to land the gig. That's what I've heard, rumor on the street. So Ben, will you introduce yourselves to us as well? Hey, I'm Ben Roars. Um, I just informed everyone that before I interviewed, I watched lots of episodes of the podcast, which I feel like was cheating on the interview, but I don't think I've been disqualified. So I'm we allowed happy. it. We allowed it. And um, yeah, I've got a standard background for the industry. I just got a PhD in philosophy, did some disaster relief after hurricane in Houston and, you know, standard boilerplate stuff, I guess. So totally it's, it's really good to be here. Good to start. Yeah. We're so excited to have both of you join us for not just our podcast, but for our team and and help our clients across the country. So we are so excited that everyone is here today. And today we're going to talk a little bit about customer experience, but not just customer experience. We're going to talk how the employee experience directly impacts the customer experience. We've seen this data over and over and over again, but more importantly, we've seen it play out in real life. Stephanie, you were talking about this before the podcast started. Will you tell us what you've seen with that? 
Yeah. So I was recently um, talking with a group who was trying to figure out like, how do they really make the customer service experience better at their organization? And so, you know, with that, as I think most of us would, they were pulling in a lot of data and feedback that they'd heard from different customers of like, okay, how are we going to restructure this better? You know, when somebody calls or submits a form, how do we respond to that in the best way possible? And, you know, we kind of got down the path in this conversation a little bit and kind of realized we're kind of chasing after the customer here. And the team was really trying to solution this, but they kept feeling like, oh my gosh, we're just like going down all these rabbit trails and we're constantly changing course, trying to make the customers happy. So there's finally this moment in the conversation where I said, you know, guys, I think there's there's something here that we're missing is actually talking about like your experience running this system. And I think, and I think this is what the data tells us is true. Like if the team feels like they can execute the process well, if they feel like they are can be successful with it and they actually enjoy doing the process, then in turn, it will be a better customer's experience with their organization versus if they keep trying to chase the customers, well, we as customers are very fickle and we don't like to admit that all the time, right? Like anytime we we shop somewhere, we buy something, we use a tool or service, or even in our like maybe charitable giving, we're very fickle and we don't have to interact with the organization every day. So how we feel about you might be different from one day to the next. And so really like encouraging them, like, let's focus more on like your team and how do you want to do this? How do you guys want to serve the customer? How do you want to answer phone calls? What feels like would be a good use of your team's like talent and capacity, the tools that you already have. And it was such a good conversation because there was almost this like number one, like breath of relief from the group that they're like, oh, like we could make the customers happy maybe by like making ourselves happy and we don't have to be like victims to the customer experience. Um, but also that it's not, we're going to like turn off customer feedback and say like, we don't care if you hate it, deal with it. It's still listening, but saying like, okay, how can we address the right concerns here? And how can we also make sure that this is a good experience for our team? Because if our team hates executing the customer service experience, we may not lose customers, but we may get a really disengaged team. We may lose team members there. I love that story. And I love how they kind of went focused on the customer and then kind of switched back and focused on themselves. But I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever gone into a restaurant or a store or a airplane and just known that the, the experience for the employee was not good? And how did you know that if you've done that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say like, we're like, all like, we've all I'm like, I've definitely been where you, you know, I've, where I've like literally walked into a restaurant and then sort of looked around and then like looked at who I was with and we were both like, and then we turned around and we walked right back out. <laughs> we're like, let's go somewhere else. Um, because either there was nobody there. And so something is clearly wrong or... <laughs> Or there's just negative interactions or like nobody talks to you as soon as you walk in or they like seem like they really hate their job. And so you just have a pretty clear understanding pretty quickly that like, we're probably not going to enjoy this food very much or the service is not going to be good. Let's go use our time better elsewhere, you know? Yeah. 
I said airplane because I recently was on a, I'm not going to mention the airline or maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. I was on an airline and I, you know, you walk on and I smiled and like said hello to the flight attendant and they just like handed me the moist towelette, zero (laughs) expression on their face. And I just was like, how are you today? And they just went fine. And I was like, oh, you don't seem fine. You don't seem fine. You seem like you're having a terrible time. And I get it. I I get working with public is super hard, but you're making it harder on yourself right now because you are not a fun human at this moment. Yeah. I just thought, man, this is going to be a flight where I put my earbuds in and I just like ignore the world because nobody wants to be a part of that. And it just felt it set the wrong tone, even walking onto the plane. And I feel like that happens a lot. Like that happens to us a lot. It's very tangible. It is. It's super tangible. So I'm going to flip the question. Have you also been in a situation where you're like, okay, yes, this place is great. I want to come here more. And I can tell that their employees are having fun. Uh, totally. Yes. So I was, you know, there's this local health food store here in town called Mama Jeans. It's like the whole foods for Springfield. And I'm probably am way too old to talk about my high school job, but it was a great experience for me. I worked there all through high school and college and I was 18 years old and I still had braces, which was embarrassing. And they made me some kind of, you know, like department head for the cashiers. And so me and my little posse of 12, we all would, you know, motley crew together. And we always joked the worst thing in the world is checking out, right? Everyone hates that. That's why self-checkout everywhere. People complain about it, but secretly we like it because it's, It takes out all this weird, awkward interaction. But what I loved with our team, especially, it was like you have 30 seconds to a minute, depending on how much people buy, to just make this final, you're the conclusion to their great shopping experience here. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mama Jean's just in the name. It just kind of makes you smile. Mm -hmm. This store has a smell that's just iconic to like, you just walk in and it smells good. Um, And people are just genuinely helpful and kind. So I still go and shop and you know, Stephanie mentioned earlier too, whether it's like where you donate to, where you serve, where you, you know, have your friends. I think that there's a lot of places that have great experiences like that. And it's because if staff are cared for and you feel like you have value and you can bring something, whether that's a cashier to leadership to whatever it is you do, um, that carries in, in big ways. And it's almost like an energy you feel, you can perceive it instantly. Yeah. Love that. And you touched a little bit on my next question, which is like, where does that come from? Where does the building of employee morale, the culture around a good, having a good customer experience, where does that come from? Because you weren't the owner of the company at Mama Jeans. You were just like the cashier lead, which is awesome. And it sounds like you made it your mission to make it this thing. So did that come from you? Did that come from other people? Where did that come from? Yeah, I love you. Oh, go for it, Steph. I was to say, way to spoil the secret that Philip is not Mama Jean. Like that's like a Philip's like shrouded in mystery. Who is Mama Jean? <laughs> Who is the Mama? That would be like the best thing ever. <laughs> that would be that's my secret identity. Yes, that's it. It's been found out. Uh, well, it's funny. I, you know, one of the things both owners who are still important people in my life. There are some people, you know, you just work a job to work it. 
Um, but they were super candid. They would tell us when they started, you know, they would clean toilets and do those things. And they definitely had a greater investment and a greater return in the long run than, than I would as a cashier. But they kind of inspired me at least to care for it more like it was mine. Um, and that's something I think it comes from my own family, just my own background. Like the things that you do, if you're doing them, they're worth doing. So you want to own it as much as you can, which again is different if you actually own the thing versus are paid to be there or work there. But I think that's something too, even an onboarding here, not to like preach to the choir, you know, once, once we kind of got to the point, at least with my experience, everyone's wording here at people centric was if it's a good fit for you, like this should be a good fit for you and your family. And so you were all were like super helpful answering questions and practical things. But the big thing that really stood out to me and that kind of was my final conclusion. Yeah, I totally want to work there. It's like good reputation, good product, good team building, but even the team itself, that you're like, Hey, if you want to come on, there's this big welcome mat, but we, we still care. And you're like, you're not a terrible person if there's something else for you. So do what's best for you. And that was really a really important piece of my decision-making to see that. Yeah. I mean, not to like toot our own horn with that, but I think there is just something powerful if you are, you know, an employer owner or a manager to like, just expressing really simply, like, it matters to me that you enjoy working here. Like it matters to me that you enjoy your time working here. Cause I think we've all seen like maybe the stereotypical other end of the spectrum. And I think my brain automatically goes to like fast food or food service where it's like, I don't care if you like it here. And I thank you every two weeks in the form of your paycheck. And that should be enough for you. And like we, I, well, I had to clean out this many toilets. So you're just earning your dues here. You know, like that's kind of the other end of the spectrum. So I think it is really powerful to hear in the workplace, like, Hey, like I actually want you to enjoy your work here. Like, I want this to be a great place for you um, and your family where you feel like you can invest in this, where you're your voice is heard. And like, even another step from that, like there'll be some place that actually want to hear your ideas. Like if you can make this better, then let's do it together. And I think that's a piece of employee engagement that we see maybe some of those more um, notable brands, like I know like Southwest airlines, and maybe we'll say this pre pandemic Southwest airlines, bless their souls really was known for like, they wanted their team to have fun. And like, that was one of their tenants. So when you got on a Southwest airline flight, like it did feel different than when you were on another like major carrier because they expressed that to their team. And again, I know some things have happened since then. And Southwest Airlines has been in the news for maybe not great service, but I know that like, you know, again, pre-pandemic, they, I think they were someone in, especially the, the service world that people really looked at that they said they were going to make a marked effort to be for our team and for people really loving to work here and that they get to define what this is. Yeah. I love that. I always think about Trader Joe's. We've seen data that shows that like Trader Joe employees are super happy, super satisfied at work and their customers are super satisfied with Trader Joe's. And I think, I think that's indicative of when you go into a Trader Joe's, there's this, Matt tells this story all the time about how we have a slide on one of our presentations about Trader Joe's specifically and how customer experience is directly impacted by employee experience. And there's no Trader Joe's in Southwest Missouri. Like there isn't one there. So while we were in California, he was like, we have to stop in Trader Joe's. And so he made us stop into this Trader Joe's and he walked up to this poor, poor person working there, just doing their job, stocking shelves and asked them like 20 questions. Matt was like, why do you like working here? 
what is it so good about this place? What are some of the perks? What do you get to do all day? And this person not only answered all of Matt's crazy questions, but was like incredibly passionate about it. And so we, we asked like, why do you love working here? And this person was probably 19 at at the oldest, like maybe younger. And just, he just sort of said like, I love it because I have a lot of freedom and they let us have fun and they give us snacks in the back and we get to wear what we want. I mean, it was really basic things, but it was important to them. It was the things that were important to them. And so I love that Trader Joe's kind of does that. We don't work for Trader Joe's shout out though, if you want. Yeah. (laughs) And I think if I remember it too correctly, like he said, he said those things, but he also said that was like, but I also had a, like, they also like give us a say in what's going on and they like bring us into the process. So like, I think, you know, one of the examples that he said was like, like this music that you listen to, like, we all just get to, we get to pick what this playlist is, you know, like we get to be a part of this. And I think that they would like, they would, they would try to bring their employees in on like what, what is actually happening every day. And instead of just saying like, here's your station and just like, go, go ahead. Just let us know if there's any problems. I think they really try to treat that everybody at all levels, like with the same respect and and bringing them in to make decisions and understand what they're trying to sell and what they're doing every day. Um, So it just helped them feel more connected to the organization as a whole too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I will say people centric, we have a, a policy quote unquote policy. We have a motto at people centric that we, we put our people first. Our motto is team, then client, then community. And we know that if we're taking care of each other, that the clients will get taken care of and then our community will get taken care of. But when we're making decisions, the decision to support the team comes first. And I wanted to know if you guys feel that and how you think we do that. And what are some ways that other people could put team members first? Like, how do you actually do that? Yeah, I have a, I mean, an example, even like with, for us, because I think when I first started at People Centric, one way that I saw this being really tangible, like in a really tangible way was one of the first like client presentation interactions I got to do was with Diana. We went and we were going to do a retreat actually. And do you remember this? We went, we were going to go do a retreat together for a nonprofit in town. And I was really, really excited to do this this was the first time I was going to do a part of it. And Diana was doing part of it. And halfway through our time there, I got like a hundred different, I didn't even know I had my phone put away and I was getting phone calls and like from our office phone and stuff like that. My kids daycare was calling and they were sick. And like my husband's a teacher. So he's like in his classroom and like, wasn't able to like leave just immediately either. And so, and I was like, dang it. Like, this is like my first like big thing. And I was excited. And I also didn't want to let you guys all down either. And, and everybody just kind of rallied around and was like, no, no, no. Like you need to go take, like, go do what you need to do. And like, we'll take care of the client and like, don't worry about it. And so, so you know, I was a little bit reluctant, even though of course I want to go take care of my kids and make sure they're good. <laughs> but I was like, I hope I feel really bad too. 
But like, I remember Matt, like he wasn't at the client that that day with that client and he ran over and was like, Hey, I got it. No problem. Like I'll finish out the day for you. And Diana was still there and assured me like, no, everything's good. And so I was able to go and leave and grab my kids. And that like stuck with me from, from like, cause it was from the beginning and to now where I was like, oh man, they have my back and I'm going to also do that for them. Like whenever I can, if we have things that we need to do and how we show up for each other, then I know that like our clients are going to be taken care of whenever we take care of each other too. And so that was one example for me where I was like, I think that 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 it made a bit big impact on me where I knew that we prioritized team because I think there are a lot of organizations that would have said like, uh, sorry, like this is what you're, this is your commitment for today. Like you're going to have to figure out what to, you know, how to, how to handle this situation. And, and you guys are really gracious. So. Yeah. It's funny that that stuck with you. Cause I, only vaguely remember (laughs) right yeah Yeah. I only vaguely remember it so like to me it was just it feels like it was a no-brainer at the time you know because I don't really remember doing it but it feels like at the time yeah your children are sick that's more important than this presentation that any one of us on our team can do you know like we'll figure it out um I love I love that example of you you gave your employee what they needed in the moment and I think that's super important and part of this, like, how do you take care of your team thing? Um, Yeah. And I think as a result too, like we didn't, I mean, I was there with this client and I, and I remember just telling them like, Hey, I got phone calls. My kids are sick. Like, I'm really sorry that I have to leave. I'm sad that I don't get to stay and finish the day with you. And they were totally fine because they knew that we were going to take care of them. And they saw that Diana and Matt had jumped in and were like, yeah, we're not going to leave anybody hanging. Like you guys are in great hands. And, and so they were also very understanding too. So it was just like this, I think it was also a moment too, where clients just get to see that like, we're all human things happen and like no big deal. Yeah. That idea too of team, you know, if you're the only person who can do something, that's a lot of pressure. And so that would come across. And if you're the only one who could present that would have really messed up the day. So I think just that model, there's um, a CEO here locally with JMark Solutions. And he gave a quote a while ago, someone else was quoting him even in a room, someone who's mentored by him. And he said, his role as a CEO is like, life is so complicated. Work should be as safe, stable, and healthy as possible. Mm. He said, because if we're making things more complicated at work, and stressful. I mean, again, stresses will come up, but his role, make it safe, consistent, stable. Mm-hmm. So this is the predictable part of life. That was kind of his question. What if, what if work was more predictable and consistent than other places? Because when you have kids and changes and we all survived, you know, so many things the last several years, it's just mm-hmm. like, so I think to your point, that's like a huge piece of it yeah. too. Yeah. And I think as a leader too, like listening to your team and like, what, what, is hard for them right now. You know, like as Bethany, you were even sharing this story about like, oh yeah, like, you know, we could just change this and you could go and we could take care of that. Uh, I think sometimes we get really stuck in our habits organizationally of like how we do things or what tools we use, you know, like we've worked with multiple organizations on their different like communication processes and policies and what methods of communication they use. And I feel like every time we do it, and so this is one of those examples, if you're 
a listener of the podcast and you think this story is about you, it happens every time we do it, that there will be some method of communication that they use that through conversation, we realize no one on their team likes using that tool. Um, It's hard to use that tool. They complain about using this tool. Sometimes even their clients or customers don't love using that tool, but because maybe sometimes there's even just one one customer or one client who really likes it, they hang on to that because they don't want to like disappoint that, that customer, that client or that person. And so it, it ends up being a good conversation of like, okay, like let's really think about that. Like, are we going to put kind of like, which, where, which way do the scales weigh essentially? Like, is that a big enough customer and client that we would say, you know what, we are going to make an exception and let you communicate with us this way because it's so significant. But usually what happens in those situations is we realize, oh, you know what, that probably isn't a big enough thing to make an exception for. So we just need to clearly communicate with that customer or that client. Here's, here's the other ways you could communicate with us, or you could submit a request or do something. And like, every time we do this, the team like breathes aside with like, we didn't know we could quit that. Like we didn't know we could stop doing that. And it would make such a difference of like, you know, hearing teams are like, it's so stressful because we don't know when that's going to happen. And then it comes at weird times. And then we feel like we have to respond really quickly when those things happen with the the customer. And just that reality of like, actually, like you could probably, you can define for your customers, like your response times and how, and they're probably going to be okay with that. Like most of us are going to come up with a reasonable solution for the customer. So like, it's just kind of redefining that for them and saying like nothing about the quality of your service is going to change. We're just going to not use that tool. I think that's really, really good. And it's reminded this whole conversation reminded me too of a recent uh, interaction that I had personally too, where we had to get our HVAC fixed. And so we (laughs) There's one company and I will not name them at all, but they uh, installed one of our uh, AC units at home. And um, honestly, like this was a couple of years ago and I felt like we've had an issue like every summer since that we had to call them about. And we keep calling the same company because our, uh, our unit is under a warranty through them. So we don't have to pay extra whenever something breaks, which is amazing. It's an amazing thing. However, this, this company has committed to that. And I think they're very annoyed by it and I don't blame them, but they also made that (laughs) commitment to, to, to serve this warranty. And so it was this, so there's been, it's interesting because this company, it's like a two person, it's like just two guys. And if you look on their website, they are a 24 hour company, like a 24 hour HVAC company. You can, they say they'll answer anytime and they're serving these warranties out, which is amazing as a customer. Like if you look at your, their website, you're like, this is awesome. Like they're this local company. I can call them whenever I need to. They're probably going to, you know, have reasonable prices. They're going to like do this warranty for me. That's so wonderful when you read all of that. (laughs) The reality is when we've had the service and our interactions with them are not awesome. And I think it's because like to your point, Stephanie, they have, they've, they 
have not created good boundaries for themselves within their company. And so they're saying, we can do all of this for our customers, but they seem like they hate it. And so <laughs> to me, I'm like, if you don't want to do those things, then don't do them. You don't have to do that. This is your company. And the way that our interactions have happened is it doesn't feel like you actually want to help me as the customer because you're really mad that you <laughs> that you have to take these phone calls. And so, um, so I get it, but maybe the company needs to create some changes too because this is how you've set it up. The problem, I think, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording, is like, how do you balance people versus profit? And I think that's where a lot of businesses get stuck here, because for them, they're probably thinking, well, if we do all of these different things, we offer all of these things to our customers, we have the opportunity to make more money and become more profitable. But you also have to balance that, like, what is the impact? impact of that on your team and can you effectively do that? And so maybe I don't want to jump ahead, Diana, because I know you had some questions, but I felt like it led into that conversation a little bit. And so I'm just curious what everybody's thoughts are on the people versus profit side of it and to and how you make those decisions to make sure your business can actually function and run, but also not kill yourself or your employees. I feel like this is the perfect question for me because I I want the profit, right? Like I'm, I'm the numbers person. I'm looking at the spreadsheets. I like the data. I want the profit. And I also am, I don't know, highly driven. I work a lot. Like it's, I just, this is how I'm wired. I'm an achiever that if you does strength finder, I'm an achiever. I'm high competition. All of these things make me very neurotic and it's a whole deal, but but you know, you guys know me, but I do look at the profit number and it is important to me. And I have seen time and time again, when we go into companies and we say, Hey, employees, are you happy when they say no, generally their profits are down. And just by doing things like engaging them in a process and saying, here's our problem. We have a customer service issue that keeps coming up. How do you guys want to solve it? And presenting it to them, they always have a good solution. And by presenting it to them, they come up with the answer and they say, we're going to do it. And we have this like buy-in on it. And it's such a better experience than if a leader comes to them and says, we have this problem, you guys, we're going to do it this way. This is how we're going to fix it through this process or through this whatever. And then once it's fixed and once it's better, the profits improve. And I wish, I wish it weren't so. Like I wish that black magic weren't black magic, right? I hate that it's so, I'm going to call it a, a so soft. Like I hate that there's not like a hard thing with that. I hate that there's not a process tied to it. But the general thing is like when you go and treat your employees well and engage them in the process and tell them that you want them to be happy and do things to help do that, your profits increase. And I hate it, but it's true. Like that's just, that's <laughs> just the reality. I am cracking up over here, Diana. I hate um, it. I, do I know, hate it. I know I get it. I get it. Yeah. And I feel like I straddle both of those worlds of like, there's some days where I'm just like, yes, it just, we've got to, we've got to do this. And we've got to get this done. We've got to make the money. And I just need you guys to like, buck up buttercup just a little bit. And then there are other days where I'm like, Ooh, 
we probably should take time and like talk through this. But I think your point is so good because I think that's some of the pushback that we hear from leaders sometimes is that this is a soft skill and this is not something that actually drives business. And, you know, like you're saying, the unfortunate reality that leaders have to swallow is that they're wrong here. And there again, right. There's, there's application in every situation. Like sometimes you do really need to push and drive the team and move them toward the vision, but it really does. And all of the data and research on customer experience versus employee experience will tell us your business will be more profitable when you do this. I mean, I just think like my personal example is when, if I walk into a restaurant, like how Bethany was saying, and the team is mad and they're yelling at each other, I'm like, the food's not going to taste good. And this is maybe a little bit of my weird food juju stuff where I'm like, food must be made with love. And it tastes better when it's made with love. <laughs> and I don't want to eat angry food, but it's true of like, I think like it is a better experience than, you know, of and I will tip better if my server is nice and the experience is good. And it seems like they are being taken care of. And it's a overall great experience for me. And again, why it's a great experience for me is because the team enjoys doing it. They enjoy being there. They enjoy like executing these processes. They actually enjoy doing their job. They feel cared about in their place of work. So I think, yeah, that's why the struggle is because for those of us who are very like business executing minded, it feels like this is a waste of time and it truly, truly is not. Well, Stephanie, you mentioned um, that if the service is good, you're, you're going to tip, right? And you enjoy that experience. And I think that I've had the experience of wanting to tip the server and not wanting to give my money to the rest of the restaurant, right? And so even if even if an individual is really, um, you know, really doing their part of it well, I think we've all had that experience of saying, well, I know the food was slow coming out and I know it was the kitchen's fault. And so I know, you know, it, I want to tip you well because your service was good and I hope you find a better place to work, you know? <laughs> so um, even if that individual effort is is there sometimes, if 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 the environment isn't right, then um, individual effort can't overcome it, you know? Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I've done the same thing before. Where I've like thought in my head, I shouldn't ask if these are shared tips or not, because that's probably not nice. But I, in my brain, I would love to ask that because yeah, it seems like my server is really trying. And um, also shout out to anybody who works in the service industry. You do not have an easy job. And tip regardless, you guys. So I'm just going to put my two cents out there. Even if you have bad service, tip, tip, because they deserve it for their work. But I will agree with you. I'm like, I am usually more generous when there's an awesome experience versus like, I will do, I will do my duty. I will tip and make sure you are paid for the work that you did. But yeah, there's that wondering of like, what is happening like behind the wall? Like I'm sitting here on this side of it. What is going on back there that is making this experience hard or bad? Well, and I love how all of this is going back to if it's a good experience for the client and client or customer, you're going to come back again, right? You don't want to go back to that restaurant where it was crappy. You don't want to use that HVAC service, even if it is under warranty. Like it just goes back to people choose to spend their money where they feel happy, where they feel they're taken care of. And so if I still believe that if your team is taken care of and they are taking care of your clients, then your clients will return. And that is just sort of, that's part of the black magic. It's not all of it, but that's part of the black magic right there. 
Yeah. And just to add to it, there's something that Ben said that was really good too, of like that individual employee who is engaged within, within maybe just a bad workplace is like, it can't, it really can't overcome the whole customer experience or employee experience. And so what we've found is that, that, you know, regardless, if you have that outlier on your team, like that person's not going to stay for very long because they can't make enough progress. And so you're going to lose your good people if the rest of your culture is really toxic and negative. And so, so unfortunately, you're probably going to lose that really good employee. And you're also going to lose customers too, um, because they can see, because it's really evident. You can see that there, there was this one in, this one engaged employee who is feeling discouraged, but doing everything that they can. And you can see the environment. It's not very, it's not hard to, to differentiate those two things. So you have to address that stuff. Yeah. So I feel like we've said a lot about this topic. Is there anything else you guys think we missed? I, I was only going to circle back to what Stephanie said, her kind of her comment, what's going on behind the wall? And Diana, you mentioned this too, but I, I think if your team has that same question, you know what I mean? Like it kind of is this disconnected layers of things. So whether you're serving your team, whether you're serving your client, you know, like the nonprofit I was at before, we used the word guest for everyone that walked in. So you could walk in and be like a million dollar benefactor, or you could walk in and be looking for some help for diapers for your kids if, you know, your income was tight. And all of those people, we gave the word guest because like, we're all here to do good things, right? Serving your family, serving each other, serving the community. Um, and so having that common thread, but I love that question, like what's behind the wall. And then if you can align and empower with that, and if you just have the trust, I know I may not have every piece of information from behind the wall, but I trust that like, this is the direction we can go. And that's, that's hard to build, but totally worth it. And it can happen. Yeah. I love that you said that Philip and like the trust piece, because I think that's, what's key as a leader. And I think it's, what's scary about asking for your team's feedback is because you then do have to take that next step. You can't just like hear them and go, okay, great. And then like not change anything is you have to then allow them to have ownership and help create what the new process is going to be. And what I'll say is like that trust is worth the leap and it's worth that emotional risk because generally, I mean, like I, I truly believe people have good intentions. And if your team is leaning into you, like asking for their opinions, they're not going to create solutions that are destructive and take down the company. I think people genuinely want to enjoy where they work and they want to make things better and they want to improve and make the world a better place. And so like trust them and, and lean into that and participate with them, you know, like be a part of that process too. And and experience it. If your team is saying this part of their job and it's hard, and then they're getting customer complaints, like sit in that with them for a couple of days, like get on the phones and figure it out and try to understand it as well. Don't be an outsider to the problems in your business as a leader. I love all of that, that behind the wall, even inside an organization is super key. So I love that phrase. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate talking about this. It's a great topic. Listeners, we're so thankful for you. We love that you join us each week. If you want to contact us, all of our contact info is in the outro and we would love to hear from you. So please reach out anytime you want. Otherwise, we will hear you next week. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If 
you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.